0: Maybe you have to look around the league. Maybe you have to look at what other teams are doing and, and not to copy, but just to kind of get your creative juices flowing because yeah. it's easy to get, especially when you work in this industry, everyone works long hours and they're tired mm-hmm. and you get home and you're, you're like game day fried, right? So mm-hmm. last thing you want to think about is what could you do next to, for the fans or, or to create some new content. But um, in the long run, I mean, it's part of part of the industry. You want to be the best at what you do. And I think mm-hmm. for our leadership, at least, they're constantly like
1: pressing our team to 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 be that. Hey tips from chips listeners. Welcome back to another episode. This week I catch up with another colleague of mine, Jamie Bartlett. Jamie's currently the broadcast operations manager for the Detroit Red Wings and Olympia Entertainment. We reminisce about the unique experiences we've had in production. She lets us know what she's excited for in the future of broadcast, and she even gives us a look behind the curtain at how the fan noise is piped in at Little Caesars Arena. All right, Jamie, welcome to the Tips from Chips podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm excited. You're kind of the first behind the scenes broadcast and production person that we've had. Um, So I'm really excited to get your perspective and your information and your feedback on all things production and broadcast as well as learn about your background. So um, when you were at Central, you were an interpersonal and public communications major. So how did you navigate your way into sports? How did you find that as your passion?
0: Well, I grew up always liking sports, uh, basketball in particular. Um, so that was always kind of on the horizon, but uh, originally I went to CMU to be an on-air anchor, just like so many, I think mm, girls yeah. have this vision of being a news reporter and that's just what you're gonna do. Uh, Central will be the place to do it, right? So uh, I went up there starting in the BCA program. I believe it's actually called something else now, um, but I did uh, the BCA program up there, I was on New Central, um, okay, 34 as a reporter for a couple of years. I did entertainment reporting. I did uh, science and technology, which was really exciting. Nice. Uh, one year, uh, but it did. It was nice just to kind of you know actually get in there and um, learn a little bit more of behind the scenes of what happens. Like I think people just assume that you know people go on air and read off a teleprompter, and obviously there's so much more in production than that. So. Yeah. It was a good experience for me. I hated watching myself on TV. Like the whole, I, hate, <laughs> yeah. I loved it, but I hated it at the same time. So um, it kind of actually was probably a good thing that I participated in that. Cause I was like, okay, maybe this isn't exactly the route that I want, um, but it did give me a lot of like the behind the scenes, hard work and everything that goes in for an on-air production. Um, from there, I, in my senior year, I did intern at the palace in the broadcasting department and technically it was broadcast slash game day entertainment. So pretty wide, you know, open department as far as like what we were responsible for. So we did get to get a lot of experience there. And I do attribute a lot of where my career started was obviously at that internship. So
1: um,
0: we were a part of, we had a team of five of us and we were a part of anything we could get our hands on. We worked for free for a year and mm-hmm. worked really hard. And we did everything from logging little tapes downstairs in the control room, um, just so that like when uh, a producer needs to grab a clip of Chauncey Billups, right? Like making a certain three-pointer at some point in the game, he doesn't have to log through all that footage, look through all that footage and take so much time. So that's what, it, you know, it's part of an internship that you have to sit there and walk through. (laughs) And uh, so we would do logging. We would go... Um, I I don't know why it always comes to me, but I think about the time that we had to go and buy like 50 turkeys at Thanksgiving because we had to pass them away to get their hands <laughs> yes. in the stands. And I'm running through like a Walmart with all these turkeys. Um, yes. we'd have to give like halftime acts, you know, hand off the microphone, make sure the you know floor was clear, we clean up after cheerleaders, um, anything with on the broadcast side that we could assist with, we would if we could get our hands on. So that internship really like was probably the beginning of career. And that's how I, I transitioned into wanting to work in sports.
1: Nice. I love to hear about um, experiences that people have had. Like you're talking about your, your on-air experience where you, you hop in and you do that, but you also learn like, Hey, this isn't for me early on in your career. So you don't yeah. go through school studying that. And then you know get into the real world and decide it's not for you and I also love to hear about people who started at the palace because that was also my start Mm -hmm. that unpaid internship um, Mm -hmm. at my first year in college and that was I too attribute so much of where I am today and where I've been since that internship to um, just that program and that culture it was so just formative to to where I am I think um,
0: people would hate me for saying this, but I almost wish all internships were unpaid because I feel like it just made us appreciate it so much after working yeah. like 14 hour a day and you're exhausted and you have to go out and buy your lunch and you're just going, this is real. <laughs> like yeah. I don't anything for this, but it was, it just makes you appreciate it so much,
1: you know? Yeah, it does. And it's like in a weird twisted way, it's fun right like Mm -hmm. I think of so many of the things I did everything from during that internship everything from counting how many cars were on the grass lot during an event at DTE (laughs) um to logging lost and found items like there's so much of that that literally we're revamping the lost and found program um at our venues now and I think back to so much of like what I learned then and how we did it and how we've done it throughout the years it's um yeah, it's, as we all, we, we both know, and everybody listening to this knows the sports industry is not for the faint of heart. And you really, as an unpaid, unpaid intern, you really get that, that, uh, that culture is instilled in you like immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a controversial statement, but I, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's, there's something about it. And I will add just,
0: uh, just cause you asked about how the path went into sports is that yeah, yeah. Because, of, because of that internship, um, I made a lot of really good connections with people. And uh, the very first day, which is interesting, um, I walked in and one of the five guys in our department had said, fire up chips. And I said, fire up. Nice. And so we became friends and he became my mentor right away. Um, you just obviously naturally have a special relationship with that person. Right. Um, yeah. And then when the internship was wrapping up, uh, there was no full-time spots available at that time for our department or for, I guess, anything that I might've been interested in. I actually considered taking on a sales job just to stay at the palace, because I liked it so much. And I thought, this is not the route I wanna go. I I, did, I don't really have interest in this, but um, so I never applied. But my mentor at the time, he was like, you know, we're gonna teach you something, we're gonna keep you around. And I said, I'm open to anything, like just, I'll do whatever job until something opens up that might fit me, right? So he said, well, we're gonna teach you to stage manage, which is another job uh, that supports the, um, you know, live on-air announcers on any typical game night. So um, not the hardest job in the world to learn. It's a freelance job. You get to come in on game nights and work and they, they pay you well. Um, great, it's just another great spot to learn if you're in, in that world. So he taught me that. And then he made me um, get my name out there really fast. Like any mm. when ESPN comes in, and, and this is good advice yeah. for anybody that's listening that wants to go into the uh, world eventually, is that you know you got to start at the bottom. You start as a PA, you start as a runner. For people that don't know what a runner is, is literally you are running. You you show up to the, you show up to your call time. You meet your production coordinator for. TNT, ESPN, whoever that person is, you sign in and they give you tasks for the day. And yeah. super easy money. It's a great way to be involved in the industry, network. Um, yeah. You may be running to Starbucks before the games for the director and the producer or for the announcers. You may be yeah. running Reggie Miller to the airport. I mean, we did all types of all types of tasks like that, but and they were long, long days. But when you're especially when you're still in college to go there and work for a weekend and you know. I don't remember, you know, exact, but say you get a five, $600 check for two days of working at that time, when you're in college, it's great money. It's yeah. something to add to your resume, great contacts to make. So he would kind of, he kind of steered me in that direction to, as far as a lot of the um, networking, I guess. And then, so I would, it would keep my door open for several years with a lot of those people. So if they'd come into town, they'd say, hey, Jamie, are you available to stage manage? Or can you run? Or can you do this or that? And I I was always the first to say, yeah, I'll do whatever I can, you know, um, for the money and for the contacts. So that was kind of how that started. And then he ended up getting me a freelance um, job with Fox Sports Detroit. And so I did the home show as their stage Mm -hmm. manager for about 10 years. Again, it was a perfect job to work with my, other job because I kind of, there was nothing really at the palace necessarily at that time. That was full-time that I was interested. So I was always interested in event planning too. So I would do event planning jobs full-time and then I would come and work the games at night. And so it was, I mean, when I look back, I don't have any regrets because I feel like it all fell into place the way it did. And it was great connections. And then um, when my original boss that I was an intern for came to Olympia to work for Little Caesars, we talked and he said that there's a production coordinator role open and my love for events and the thought of the new arena was exciting and Mm -hmm. you know still having a a, a love for some sports I guess not all but some sports (laughs) (laughs) Um, and loving people basically I was like this is a perfect fit for me so anyway that's how I ended up at LCA. Yeah
1: that's um I you know I talked to a lot of people on the podcast about how you start talking about all these things about your career and how you got where you are. And there's so many things that happen in our lives that we forget about until people mm-hmm. like bring it back up or yeah. people say something similar. Um, when I was working for ESPN in Orlando, I my leader really wanted me to get more experience in production because at the time I had like an event operations background um, sure. and she really helped me get experience in all different Aspects of the business, especially like the media business. And so she would have me um she would put me in as a runner when ESPN was in town recording shows. So Mike and Mike, baseball tonight. Um, mm-hmm. and I will never forget NBA All-Star Weekend when it was in New York. I was a runner on Mike and Mike, I was just there kind of helping. And Kevin Hart was a guest and he comes in and he's like very hungover. (laughs) It's all Star weekend. So everybody's partying, you know? And I was like, what can I get you? Coffee, water, anything? He's like, literally both. Like he was, it was so great. It was like a surreal moment in my life. Like this is, this is a job. Someone gets paid Mm -hmm. to just do this. You know, they asked me to go pick up breakfast for everybody, like all these things. I'm like, this is a job that you can do. I had no idea. Like within the sport industry that that was even, Uh and in TV and production, I had no idea. I remember
0: waiting for, um, I I have so many good stories, but I remember waiting for Reggie Miller one time at the um, Royal Park Hotel and I had to obviously just drive him to the palace. It was, you know, five miles down the road, no big deal. And I was being, growing up being a big basketball fan, of course, you're excited, but you can't be professional, you know, there's rules, you can't, (laughs) you know, act like it's a big deal. You're not going to be asking him for an autograph or anything. So. I'm standing there waiting and he comes out in the uh, lobby and I'm like, okay, so it's just me. And he says, oh, hi, I'm Reggie Miller. And I'm like, I wanted to say, really? (laughs) No way. (laughs) So we laughed about that. And then, you know, it was funny, but there was just, there is, there's so many stories like that when you get into this world. And there, obviously it's very important to put your, be professional first, you know, yeah. it, it is sometimes hard to kind of swell it. Cause you go, Oh, this is, this is exciting. I'm getting paid for this, you know? Just
1: yeah. Saying. Yeah. It's, um, I think Kevin Hart was one where I was really like starstruck. Um, yeah. but another opportunity that I actually, because I had helped on as a runner on those other shows while they were at Walt Disney world, um, one of. It was, there was an event called the Invictus Games in Orlando. It's like Prince Harry's version of the Wounded Warrior Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and the team that was doing video production or the ESPN production for the show uh, had known me from being a runner. And they called me and said, Hey, we need a makeup artist for Prince Harry to be on standby. Can you wow. find someone at Disney? And I was like, mm-hmm. This is, it's going in the history books as the yeah. weirdest call. <laughs> The most unique question that I've been asked Mm -hmm. ever in my career, like this is going in the history book. So it's just such random stuff like Mm -hmm. that, that you're like, wow, this is really what I'm doing today, Mm -hmm. trying to source a makeup artist that he did not end up using. I mean, he's a very, you know, he doesn't, didn't want it, but it was still someone to be on standby. So, so many stories like that, for sure. It's just, it's nice to reminisce about him though, and Mm -hmm. just think back. I forget all of, I forget so many good stories that we have. And now that you're saying that it's, it's just making me
0: think about stage managing next on, uh, I forget which network it was, but they were, it was the bull riding at the palace. Okay. And, I mean, just the thought of I'm standing next to this and now, or this reporter, and we're in the, uh, he's about to interview the guy that's going up on the horse and the horse is like, sitting nice to me, literally going to the bathroom. And I'm like,
1: wow, I've really made it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh man. So many things bull riding. That's one thing that we have not had it. No. LCA. I wonder if that's.
0: No, but that was such a funny, such a funny group and such a fun production to work on. Probably one of the best that I I had because they were. Really? no holds barred. Everyone was having a great time behind the scenes in front of, I mean, just so fun. So they had this huge after party that they invited all of the run, everybody
1: too. You know, I mean, yeah, it, just, it it was, it was very interesting. Not what I expected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be an interesting one to work from a uh, lot of different yeah. aspects. Yes. Maybe in the future. We'll see. <laughs> we'll try to get it. Yeah. So transitioning into um, what you do now. So you're currently the broadcast operations manager with the Detroit Red Wings. So you're basically um, behind the scenes on productions or, or content like this. So how does it feel to be on the mic for a change? You kind of talked about how you used to be on the mic, but.
0: Yeah, that was so, that was so many years ago. I can't remember. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of nice. It feels a little weird. Um, I actually really like uh, sharing my knowledge and, and not that it's that plentiful, but the knowledge that I do have with anyone, let alone fellowships. So yes, I am um, happy to talk about what, you know, my path and how I got here.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about um, what you do in your current job. So can you kind of go into what your job uh, entails and what is in your portfolio of kind of responsibilities? Sure. Um, Obviously it's been added to since we've
0: started open. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I would say the two major points of my job are, one, I'm responsible for seeing all of the crew members for our in arena show. So we have an in arena production every night of about 25 crew members um, that are in our little control room downstairs that run everything that you see on that center hung. So when you come to a Red Wings game and you see the whole show well, from start to finish, there is a crew downstairs putting that together. Um, you got directors, you have graphic artists you have, or graphic ops. We have seven camera operators in our building Um, we're very competitive to an actual TV broadcast, to be honest with the, with the technology that we have. Um, Mm -hmm. so I oversee that for Red Wings and for Pistons since we share the building. So we do Pistons too. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one, I guess, side of my job. Uh, the other is the actual TV production broadcast side. So I have to coordinate, make sure that there's TV trucks showing up for the game, make sure people like, um your department's operations and security and everyone else is aware of what the plan is, who's pulling up what day, who's pulling out since we have so many consecutive events, um, Mm, making sure that we utilize, um, you know, the space and the timing as best as we can, as far as like coordinating those trucks um, come in. I also have to provide crew members for visit broadcasts. So Hmm. let's say for example, the New York Rangers come in to play the Red Wings. Uh, They're gonna put in a telecast order. So basically a broadcast order would come to me. It would say, hey, we need a TV truck this day. We need um, 12 crew members. We need this and this and that just to fulfill the broadcast. So it's my job to make sure that all those people not only show up to work, you know, that the director's basically happy because they're our client at that point. Um, Mm. We're charging them to be here at the arena and to to do their broadcast out of there. So um, we have to obviously treat them like we would treat you know, Shakira coming in, right? Like, yeah, you know, who it is, who, they're, they're paying for us, our services. So um, we make sure that they get, you know, from everything parked and powered beginning of the day, like make sure that their their trucks are running, um, make sure all their crew members come by their certain call times. Um, we make sure the director's pretty much happy, I guess, and that they have any equipment, any extra equipment needs they may need. Um, so yes, that's, Pretty much the other side of my job to make sure that those happen. That also happens for Red Wings, Pistons, and then we've added on Tigers. Um, oh, so yeah. now we'll be a little busier as we keep going here. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. The season starts up. Yes. So that's can, That's pretty much how that works as far as um, what I'm responsible for for those two sections. Um, I also have to coordinate all the engineers in the building to make sure the the buildings ran on a day to day basis. Um, which can be anything from the signage outside to, um, you know, making sure the trucks get power, right? So it, there's mm. a lot of things there. Um, I'm in charge of billing. I'm in charge of payroll for 130 guys. I'm in charge of, I say guys, sorry, individuals, because nice <laughs> ladies too. Um, <laughs> I have to do that kind of, all, you know, all the paperwork and the maybe non-so-fun stuff, but that's part of the job, you know? So at a gist, I'd say that that's pretty much what I, what I have to do.
1: Yeah, there's so much that goes into that, that people don't think about. It's like when we, uh, I had a conversation with Tim judge, our building services manager a few weeks ago, and he's talking about all these different things throughout the building that you just, the building just runs the TV mm-hmm. production and the the content on the jumbotron or center hung just is there. And you just, you don't, until you hear about, you know, jobs like yours, mm-hmm. you don't realize how much goes into it. Yeah. Um, yeah not only during the game, but behind the scenes and, and the other days too. Never a dull moment, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, so along with um, everything game-related that you kind of just talked about, your teams also started producing all types of incredible content um, in the last few years that you I, I haven't seen before. And I think a lot of us haven't seen before. So can you talk about some of those new ways that you guys are creating content and engaging uh, the Red Wings audience? Sure. Um, so our our team is it technically uh, we handle broadcast slash
0: game day operations. So it, there is it's bigger than um, you know, just the TV people or the center hung show, basically. So mm-hmm. we, we have created so much content since LCA has been open. Um, we obviously try to make sure that we, you know we're front and center and um, that Detroit's one of the you know best and first to come up with innovative ideas, obviously. Um, we have created several shows and our producers are very, very busy, uh, mm-hmm. st- streaming live shows, all the, all different platforms all week long. Um, so say for example, the four check, that's a show that we, we stream every day, um, on a game day. Um, sorry, not every day, just game days, uh, several hours before the game, it's going to, you know, um, be Daniela Bruce, our host with, um, uh, one of the radio analysts. Sometimes she may have a guest host of an alumni member, and they're really going to look ahead to the game and talk about what, what to expect and, um, highlight a couple key players from the opposite team to like, keep a look on, you know, that type of stuff. So we do that. We do that on a game day. Um, we've been streaming our morning skate, uh, which is just a recent new thing that we've been doing. Um, so fans can inter- watch and interact that way. We have added the wood on, word on Woodward show. We stream that once a week. It's two hour show. It's going to show everything. Um, Detroit, Tigers and Detroit Red Wings, um, anything to do with either team, like associated with. So there's player interviews. They have uh, trivia games to get the fans that are watching in, um, you know, get them involved where they could potentially win a prize. You got you got interviews with alumni. You have any events coming up? The stats. We now have a partnership with an app called Home Turf, and that streams uh, live all of their in arena content that's going on. So with the pandemic going on you got diehard fans out there, you know, literally sweating waiting to get into the arena mm-hmm. to see game. So this yeah. is a good alternative for them that they can go and watch it through this app. They get to see everything that's happening in the arena, but they also get like live stats. Um same thing. There's there, there's games, things to get help people win tip potentially win tickets. So that's been a fun thing to kind of watch and see how that's going to all play out um and see if that's something that we continue after the pandemic, you know. Um, Once people are allowed back in the arena, but yeah, so I feel like our group is very innovative and we're always trying to find the next thing. So um, uh, yeah, we have, you can, you can pretty much see something from, from either Red Wings or Tigers on any platform, any day of the week, you know, so I mean, we have a whole social team that's associated with that. So um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's been, it's been crazy and it's been fun and, and you never stop there because you, you get this big. Home turf app up and running this year, and our our group is already, and our producers and our leaders are already thinking about what's the next thing all the time. So
1: yeah, and where's the- that? Where does that culture come from? That culture of like wanting to do, wanting to do more, wanting to create more content, wanting to be kind of first in class. Where is that driven from? I mean, I think for
0: I mean, I think for us, our our upper management leadership is that's just they've always pushed for that. So we're constantly. Mm. Uh, I mean, we have meetings sometimes once a month on just creating new, um, content and that maybe you have to look around the league. Maybe you have to look at what other teams are doing and, and not to copy, but just to kind of get your creative juices flowing because yeah. it's easy to get, especially when you work in this industry, everyone works long hours and they're tired mm-hmm. and you get home and you're, you're like game day fried. Right. So mm-hmm. last thing you want to think about is what could you do next to, for the fans or, or to create some new content. But um, in the long run, I mean, it's part of part of the industry. You want to be the best at what you do. And I think mm-hmm. from our leadership, at least they're constantly like pressing our team to, to, to be that. So um, I guess that's where it stems from and it's going to continue to evolve.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can um, totally, I, I totally see the side of getting kind of just caught up in the day-to-day operations of stuff mm-hmm. and not being able to even have time to like breathe and catch up from the last event, Mm -hmm. let alone trying to strategize on what you want to do in six months or in a year. Like it's so much, you're always playing catch up. So it's hard to look way ahead. So it's great to hear that that's, you know, you guys are constantly innovating. And, um, the home turf app is something that I just learned about recently, um, as you guys started the season and we've had a lot of guests, call in about it and ask questions about it Um, so it's it sounds like something that guests are really enjoying as an engagement opportunity for them Um, and I think it's a really cool pivot in this you know the 2020-2021 pivot that you guys have made to be able to bring that in-venue content to people at home I think that's awesome um, get everybody back in the arena. That's for sure. Agree. Yeah, for sure. But in the meantime, if people wanted to tune into any of those things that you mentioned, or even the home turf app, how do they do that? Where do they go for all that?
0: Um, well, you can go to the Detroit red Wings.com. That's always a good start. Right. And that will, I think it has a list of actually where our shows are playing when, um, okay. Don't quote me on that because now I'm <laughs> second guessing myself. <laughs> uh, on Facebook and Twitter, I know our word on woodward goes every Wednesday at uh, noon to two. Um, the um, the four check is on just tri- Red and that's just on game days. And that's usually um, I believe between the three and four o'clock hour. So yeah, I guess if you started at Redwings.com, then you then you'd get to where you need to go where everything is actually being listed or uh, everything's being streamed where.
1: Yeah. And I've learned too, that through the district Detroit app, you can get to that home turf app. Um, yeah. so I think that's a great way for people to stay connected and sure. feel like they're in the arena, screencast mm-hmm. it to their TV. That's I what mean, at the very least doing. sign in and try to win some free tickets for where you go. At, I would. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Um, so we kind of just talked about the different changes in the broadcast landscape. And you, you talked about having those physical um, videos and clips that you you had, but what does a changing broadcast landscape look like from your perspective? And what's something that's on the horizon that you're excited about or interested in um, developing for your team? So for me
0: particularly and our department, um, the p- pandemic hit us very hard um, because the second that everything shut down, um, TV's, you know, TV stations, everybody got together and said, well, we're not gonna travel our crews anymore. So mm-hmm. that me, what, which means um, to avoid having their, you know, their regular 10 people or so that would travel to Detroit from New York. Um, they're all gonna stay in New York. We're gonna use uh, Detroit speed. And so um, they're basically like borrowing our feed per se, right? So that would avoid all the all the travel. So in that case, it actually ends up, it ended up being a huge, it's a huge revenue um, stream that we're missing right now because these mm-hmm. people are not, you know, um, they're not coming in. That means that there's no crew, there's no, there's no truck that, that they actually they need there, that type of thing. So it's been interesting because usually like each city or market has their own feed, you know, like when Fox Sports Detroit has Fox is showing the Detroit Pistons game or the Red Wings game, they're focusing on Detroit, they're focusing on the red wings. You know, they're not focused, you know, that's what they're there for. Right. So we have to send our feed now to somewhere else and they're trying to produce it from there, um, from in New York in some studio, or, you know, their announcers aren't traveling with the team. There's just a lot, there's just a lot there that has really, really changed. Um, going from, you know, last year to, to, um, well, now I say year. it's been a year, right. (laughs) So going from two years ago to this year. So hopefully everything like Once life gets back to normal, hopefully that goes back to normal, but it very well might not because just like a lot of people with their offices right like they might not go back to work because they're finding that everybody's efficient like if if they decide the big networks decide that it's not we're efficient doing it the way that we're doing it, you know, borrowing people's feeds, then that may be the way that they go and um, I can't necessarily say blame them on a revenue standpoint, but um, so I would say that that's like the biggest change that's happened for us. And it's interesting to see a couple things come, starting to come back now, um, for the future that I'm getting a couple requests for, but, um, mm. I, I guess we're just going to have to wait that out and see how that all turns out. I would say, um, now that Sinclair purchased Fox sports, uh, I would, that'd probably be the most exciting thing on the broadcast end that I would keep my eye on if I was a big, you know, if, if I was getting into the industry, just because. Um, obviously they are at the, you know, they're leaders in the industry, right? So I'd like to, you know, you watch and see what they do, you know, and see how they're going to produce their games and Mm. see what, see what changes happen from last year to this year, um, with their new, with their new leadership. I, I, I find that to be probably the most exciting, but the most interesting thing to see how it all plays out. Things Mm. may be different for a lot of people in the broadcast world by, by next year, you know? I'd like to see everything would be the same just for myself, but I don't know,
1: (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many changes um, that, that trickle down from the change in um, what you're talking about with the production and people being remote in um, calling games or what have you, because even then the sound to the guest or the viewer, I guess the viewer in this instance, it sounds different. So whether it's like the background noise that's piped in or not, or, that while an announcer is speaking, you don't hear what's going on in the arena. I know that that's a really big shift. Even um, for the Tigers the other day, I know that Dan Dickerson is in Lakeland, but on the radio production, the background was so silent. It was just so eerie and that's just because there's so few people there. Mm -hmm. Um, But so even just a change for me, as you usually hear that like roar of the crowd in the background and to not hear that, that's just like a change that I just I didn't anticipate mm-hmm. um it's just something that I was kind of like oh okay yeah, yeah that's different and mm-hmm. for everyone wants everything to they just want any like little piece of normalcy that they sure. can have so yeah. while listening to Dan is that piece of normalcy it was still different because there's yeah. no background noise so yeah. um, there's so many trickle down effects of of all of that for sure though so, had to hire a couple new positions just to do that spot
0: for the night you know just to pipe in yeah. noise at certain times and one does oohs and ahs, and one might do cheers, and you know, it's just it's just funny. It's stuff that you would have never thought you,
1: thought would yeah. be, needed, you know, But yeah. yeah. Are you able to get into kind of how that works? Like, so you have multiple people doing that, um, you know, just kind of how does that go or how does that work? To be honest with you, there we have
0: two, uh, two, or two operators per game on a Red Wings night, and I I didn't I wasn't a part of their technical training to understand. <clears throat> where their cues are supposed to go or what they, you know, what they do. Um, they're all, all these people are just added into our regular in-game um, crew where they're all on headset, you know, and I, you have my boss, Pete Scorch, overseeing everything. So yeah. if, if certain things aren't happening at the certain point that you got 15 other people that are going to yell in your ear, pipe the noise, yeah. you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so. it's amazing. It's amazing. Like I've been fortunate enough to go to a few uh, Pistons games mm-hmm. and it's all, it's like, as things happen, it's yeah, incredible because right. it's real time yeah. as if the crowd were actually there doing it. Like you would think there's maybe like a, a one second lag or two second. Uh-huh. two second No, it's literally instantaneous. Um, I will say so, the guys have been, um, pro- I mean, obviously we had to literally bring in a company
0: that did this to, to train them for a few days. So it must be pretty complex, but the, um, they are literally, we have positioned them center ice, you know, during okay. the game. So they're in a suite hidden right now, these, these individuals while they're, you know, on their audio boards adding in the, in the noise. So they're definitely like seeing it firsthand. They're not like in the back, watching it off of the screen. Yeah. Um, so That's obviously probably helps with their accuracy, but other than that, I, I can't speak to what, what their technical skills yeah. are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's like, just another dream job that it's like, yeah. so you're telling me I can watch a hockey game. Uh-huh. And as I verbalize, no, I get to hit a button and that's yeah. my job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's my, what I would do from my couch for right. fun. I get to do yeah. as a job. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy that that's, uh, what, what's going on it's now. A thing? Yeah. that yeah, it's a thing. Um, so kind of in that theme about like what you're excited about, what do you think is your favorite aspect of broadcast and production? Like what, what keeps your spirit alive in that industry? I think
0: for me, just because there is a lot of long days and 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 there's a lot of stress behind the scenes that people don't always see that the, like the love for sports. I love people. I always, whenever I talk to people, people, I say, um, that ask me about my job. The first thing I say is I love the people I work with. So you can be a good energetic group of people and, you know, that always helps. So obviously, um, I love the dynamic of seeing an actual production, like come from an idea on a piece of paper to fruition Mm. and being, you know, implemented on throwing something out there game day life. We do a show, you know, before every game and uh, Daniella Bruce, our host will sit up there with an alumni member, talk about the game on a little platform in the concourse. It was really, really just like a, an idea on a post-it note one day. And then, we put it together. We've added more production to it. Now she's got a whole set. She's got the whole, you know, the whole nine yards with lights and, and multiple camera angles. And she, they do, a, they do look ahead of the game and they go there at intermissions and, and recap. And the fun thing is like walking around and being a person that d- during that when usually by the time the, the, you know, puck is dropped, my job is usually done. It's people are in place. Everybody's working. Yes. Things come up that you have to help out with, but in general, I'm, usually done and I can just help my be another set of eyes and ears to make sure that every everything's flowing. Right. But Mm -hmm. when I walk over there and I see these fans so excited to stand behind Darren, you know, they
1: love it. Yeah. They
0: love it. And like, and she, and they interact with the crowd and they're having fun. And I'm just, it it gives you that sense of pride. Like a lot of the work that we do um, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and it's, it's so fun to watch how people are really just living their best lives, having a great time at the hockey game, you know? And so I do think that that's probably like my favorite aspect. I love walking around the arena on a game night and seeing the uh, hype with everybody and how excited they are knowing that, you know, you're part of that and, uh, and talking with people and and just having a good time with it because ultimately it's sports, it's entertainment. It should be just, it should be fun, you know? So I would say, um, you know, all that stuff. My group is in charge of like anything from, I had to drop the anthem singer off all, all last month, uh, which we had a new girl that came from The Voice, Beth from The Voice, who's from Detroit. She was great. Like just to just to meet her and say hi and, and, and show her the ropes and say, this is what you have to do. It's 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 mindless work, but it's part of the job to make sure that everybody's in place because everything's timing in the broadcast world, right? So
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, little things like that that are fun and, um, the intermission games and watching the hype videos that our guys yeah. on the on the center hung and see how people are excited about that um all that to me is fun I I think that um um that gets that gets you through the the billing and the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the boring you know the payroll and the, the things that you might not love to do but it gets you through it because you're thinking about next Saturday is going to be a great night you know. So. Yeah.
1: Gets you through that kind of 14th and 15th and 16th uh-huh. hour of the day. <laughs> that I you're... love the tributes that we've done, Definitely.
0: you know, yeah. the, you know, things like that. Those are what get, you know, anything that pulls your heartstrings is what gets me. So okay. if we create a video or we're going to um, honor someone at the game, usually I have to be part of some coordinating that. That to me is like what it's all about. So, um, that, I guess that's my favorite part.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I share a lot of those same sentiments, uh, just from a different aspect, right. From like Mm -hmm. the actual guest flow and guest operation and seeing all those things happen and, um, making sure that people are having a great time. Cause like you said, this this sports and entertainment is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, um, you know, exciting. It's like what people pay a lot of money to do in their spare time. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's great to have the opportunity to be able to make that better. That's, 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 I love that about our job, Mm -hmm. our jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to wrap this all up with a question that we ask all of our guests, but I'm going to make yours a twofer. Um, Mm -hmm. I know we've got some people that listen to the podcast who are new content creators. So I want to ask you what feedback or advice you have for students that may be interested in getting into what you do or having like a a path like you've had. And what advice would you give to people who are new in the content creation space or, um, content production space? Uh, sure. So
0: I guess I would say uh, to answer the first question, I would say anybody that wants to get in the field uh, know that it's obviously a very competitive field. Uh, Detroit is, you know, a large city but yet a small market. You you start yeah. working broadcast, you're going to know people very quickly because everybody works from everyone, I wouldn't say everyone, I'm sorry. So not people like myself, but most most of the production world in Detroit is freelance workers. So they may work a Red Wings game one night. They might go work a Tigers game the next night. They may be going out to U of M to do a, do a shoot the next day. So it is a large industry, but a small market as far as you know, learning people. So yeah. I would say um, make yourself as marketable as possible. It's a huge, huge plus in our industry. Um, I would say it was almost a little regret of mine that I didn't get a little bit more hands-on experience in different areas You know, when I was uh, up at Central or even at my, as my internship. Um, I have a few, I have a few staff members of mine now who are super efficient in several different areas, which makes my life way easier and it makes them more marketable, more marketable and more money in the long run. So, uh, for example, I have one colleague who, um, she not only can uh, be an audio assistant if she needed to, she's great at, great at that. She could come in and run an audio board on her own and, um, She can do, if I needed her to go in the control room and do graphics and replays. she can do that. She can do a clip player position. She can do help with LED content. So she's super marketable. She's, she's learned as much as she can. I'm sure she has certain, you know, um, tasks that she likes better. Right. But like at least that way, one day she may be sitting at home. And if I have any of those spots available, I can call her. And that just like, that's, helps her in the long run. run, Right. Mm -hmm. So I wish there was more people like that. I would say that's probably one of the biggest things is, is make yourself as marketable as possible. I have a lot of camera guys that really want to be directors. That's their goal. So the second they get a chance to shadow or, you know, I've guys come to me all the time and, and I'm super open to advancing people as much as they can, but you have to be, put yourself out there and and want to learn and, and bring it up. Like, Hey, can I, can I sit in while I watch him direct the next couple of games? Absolutely. You know? Mm -hmm. And then some of those guys have moved on where they are able to direct here and there. So again, just as far as like, if you want to know the industry in and out, it's best to kind of get your hands on, you might hate it. You might not want to ever direct again, but like, at least, you know, that, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: So that's, I would say, probably, um, the biggest, thing for me is for biggest advice I could give to a young person at CMU trying to like with their way in the industry, start as a runner, start as a PA, get your name, get your name out there, send your resumes to, you know, um, maybe to myself or whoever you, you, that you can reach out to in the industry. We're happy to keep, um, you know, keep it on file for if something ever, you know, pops up, there's always new positions, just like we're talking about audio sweetening. Mm-hmm. That was not a position last yeah. year. So that This <laughs> is two new positions, you know, that, that have come through the pandemic. Um. So I would say probably that is the biggest advice I can give. Um, networking is always a huge thing in our industry and like it is most, and so it never hurts. Um, and then I would say, is the second part of your question, Creating content necessarily isn't always my wheelhouse, right? So we have a team of twelve that are have graphic artists, motion artists, and, um, and uh, producers who are creating videos every day. And yes, we're, I'm a little part of a part of helping them coordinate some of these things. But as far as the actual content, I, it's usually a, a group of a group of guys that we have. Um, but we are constantly just like we mentioned earlier, like we're constantly pushing ourselves for the, the next best thing, right? So mm-hmm. we have monthly meetings and it literally will be a content meeting. And whether you got to get some popcorn involved and make it fun, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you want to watch some, you want to watch what the Dallas Stars are doing and their hype videos and their fun stuff, like that's what we do. And it, and it's not again, it's not like to copy it, it's just to get your creative juices flowing of what can we use here in Detroit that yeah. we that um that could be similar experience for fans or a video that they're making it doesn't matter what it is but um yeah. we're constantly doing that I'd say keep up with the keep up with the Joneses which is one of my least favorite things to do but I would say keep up with the Joneses <laughs> with support yeah so yeah. uh you know you're you're what you're following other teams and you're seeing what they're what they're creating and um maybe seeing how you could do some sort of spin-off of anything that you find out is interesting always have new innovative ideas on the table so that's something that you just you know that you note that as you go through and you see things. You go to a different arena. You just note it. You have no idea where that could take you. And a year from now, when you're at a meeting with your boss mm-hmm. and you look back at your little notebook and said, "Hey, I seen when I was at you know uh, Miami Heat game, I the announcer did this, this and that." And you just that at the time it was a cool, fun thing for you. But you just keep you keep that knowledge and that you know the content um, ideas, I guess. Right. So yeah. I don't think that any idea in our industry, I don't think any ideas are bad ideas you know, because yeah. there's so many things that you might think they, that sounds ridiculous to put a bunch of turkeys on this, on the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on the concourse and throw them at people or whatever it is, but it ends up being a, a riot, you know, and people love it. So I yeah. would say just uh, keep the new ideas flowing. Like I said, pop some popcorn, you know, have weekly, have meetings with the people that you uh, seem to feed off the best in your group, I guess. And uh mm. you just keep always trying to look for new stuff to uh bring to the table and it'll make your boss happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that piece of advice. I am constantly sending um the guest experience group from all of our venues. Uh what's going on in the NBA or what's going on in the MLB. Most recently I sent them uh the hand sanitizer cam from Milwaukee. Did you happen to see that? I know I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I will send it to you. Uh it's exactly as you'd expect but it's something that, that's different and it's got people talking about the Milwaukee Bucks in a different way so I'll send wow. it to you <laughs> that's
0: what that is literally what it's all about these days you know yes
1: yes how well, can you be
0: the kim kardashian of sports
1: <laughs> yeah and get people talking in a in a positive and like respectable and like wow do you see what they're doing like that's mm-hmm. how we want to be type of way 100% um so Jamie, it's been super fun catching up with you, learning more about what you do and about your, your path. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being on Tips from Chips. No problem. And if anybody wants to check out my LinkedIn, and
0: send me a note. If you want to send a resume or something, I'm happy to help any fellow chip Chip I can.
1: And uh, I guess
0: we'll go from there. Good luck to all of
1: you. Perfect. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Hey, fellow Chippewas, thanks again for tuning in to the Tips from Chips podcast. We want to hear from you guys which sport business leaders and fellow Chippewas you want to hear on our podcast. Please leave us a review and let us know what chips you want to hear sport business tips from. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Tips from Chips.